and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name's Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm a podcast film picker this fortnight. This is uh, my choice, Brotherhood of Satan, which is a, a wonderful slice of satanic weirdness that I picked purely because I loved the cover that Arrow put out, because... I'd never actually seen it before. And I'm so glad I did because, spoiler alert, I loved this movie. Dan, how did you feel about Brotherhood of Satan? I wasn't super on board for the first, like, half, Mm -hmm. third. Mm -hmm. And then it started to get me. And by the end, I'd had a really good time. Excellent. And then I rewatched it with the commentary Mm -hmm. and, and I liked it at that time like mm-hmm. i enjoyed the first chunk more and i th- i think it's going to be one that i'll i might return to yeah no i f- i feel exactly the same way um but before we kind of get into it in detail what is the plot of brotherhood of satan so brotherhood of satan is an early 70s satanic panic picture that takes the narrative structure of a an outsider family coming to town and realizing that things are a weird in this instance children are disappearing there's a general creeping feeling of unease everyone's upset and the vicar thinks it might be aliens <laughs> brilliant as i said in the kind of intro this was the first time watch for me and i'll be honest i was like as I was putting the disc in the Blu-ray player I was like oh god what have I done Um, (laughs) you know I had actually quite low expectations for it I've seen a lot of satanic panic movies from the 70s and they're not all high quality believe it or not (laughs) especially the the more kind of obscure ones they're normally obscure for a reason but yeah I I was kind of into it much sooner than you Dan and I actually agree my experience was kind of similar to the experience of Kim Newman and Sean Hogan stuff that they described on the commentary like I felt very disoriented in the immediate opening with the tank stuff and I absolutely loved the car journey that was in silence yeah yeah and I was like oh wow okay this this is not what I was expecting so far let's see where it goes and then it, it just gets kind of crazier and crazier and I watched it with Shay and I kind of warned her that it might be a bit shit. So we both went in with low expectations, but she absolutely loved it as well. And I just said to her at one point, this film constantly makes the right decision. Whenever there's kind of two options on the table, it always picks the right one. Yeah. And like, you know, there's twists and turns and we're obviously not going to get into those because it is an underseen movie. But I had such a blast with it. I think Shay shouted at one point, film of the year, when something particularly weird happened. (laughs) Um, I think I know. Was it outside the church? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just a really kind of almost avant-garde in places, unpredictable, cool movie that kind of feels like a series of amazing vignettes, really. So tell me about your experience. Uh, uh, so the first third you, you weren't as into. Um, what was it that was kind of holding you back in that first third? Well, I think the, the, the film has a slightly sort of chaotic energy to it yes. in that you a lot of the scenes feel quite disjointed it doesn't necessarily feel like the filmmakers have a plan. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um and I and I think it took a while for me to gain confidence in what they were doing. Right. And I think and as you you mentioned Kim and Sean's commentary mm. and they say that it's one that they enjoy more with each watch. Mm-hmm. And I and I completely understand that because I think 
once you know what the mindset is that best suits the film, you're able to give the film its best shot. Mm. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's willfully oblique in what's going on, and if like a misread yes. of it or a bad read of it could be that they're just kind of like throwing any idea they've got out, regardless of like budgetary ability to a, like to achieve that idea like the opening scene and you know i don't feel it's too much of a spoiler to talk about it no. the opening scene ostensibly shows a, a family in a trapped in a car being crushed by a tank mm. but this is all shot in in incredible close-up to the extent that really all you see of the tank is the caterpillar tracks and then you know like hands coming out of twisted broken windows and that kind of thing and blood dripping over paintwork but this is intercut with a small child with a radio controlled tank which is shown in still close-up but you know slightly further out and this is never returned to the the impression is potentially that there's this kind of like maybe like a voodoo doll effects going on like the tank is able to remotely crush things or like it's a nightmare like they see the tank and they imagine it crushing them and therefore it happens there are th there's no real like explanation given for it and with no other context for the film i've read that as a weakness of the film but actually once you get into the movie you realize that it's a choice mm-hmm yeah, and I think that if you're on board with those choices, then the film immediately becomes much more enjoyable. God, that really ties to so much of what I just said because the reason I was so into it is because I do think that all the right choices are made. One of the things I highlighted is the fact that it's unpredictable, and that's so rare, so rare in kind of any era of cinema. It's so rare to be surprised because good structure means that things get foreshadowed, and when things are foreshadowed, you can easily guess what's going to happen. Whereas here, things are foreshadowed, but in a very, very deep set way yeah. where the end twist lands really well and it's satisfying. It makes perfect sense in terms of everything that's come before, but it's not obvious. It's, yeah, a really clever film. And the thing about everything feeling kind of disconnected, my take on it was that it just feels like these vignettes that kind of start to tie together more and more. And, yeah, in these days of... Uh, low attention spans I, I, I think it's kind of quite modern and, and kind of slightly ahead of its time in a weird way yeah I was just really really kind of blown away by it and any film that has me shouting look at the monks in spider webs banging drums <laughs> um, <laughs> about a background character that's got to be a winner so I massively recommend this one I think it's a, a beautiful restoration like the colours really really pop yeah yeah, really, really beautiful. Wonderfully shot, great performances. And yeah, it's it's a weird little gem, in my opinion. So I, I heartily recommend people pick this one up. It's not on Arrow's streaming service in the US. I don't know if it's uh, if it's on there in the UK, Dan, but it's not on there in the US. So uh, I do recommend picking up this Blu-ray as soon as possible. I'm frantically opening the app to tell you oh, whether it is. Excellent. <laughs> Brotherhood of Satan. <laughs> I love it. This is all cut, staying in. Cut this bit out. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. It's not. It's not. When you, uh, I just, I just wrote Brother of Satan. Yeah, but, but I don't think it's going to change if I type no. it. No, no results. No results found. Although Brother of Satan uh, does bring up uh, Vengeance. Oh no, it's just random. It's different this time. Never mind. Forget that. 
It's just Arrow suggesting some things because they couldn't give me Brotherhood of Satan. All right, maybe yeah, I, maybe I, I will cut that. Service. Maybe I will cut that. No, it's not on the uh, it's not on the English um, one either. I I don't know why what the logistics are of that. No, me but yeah, either. it's a, it's a it's a nice one. It's got um, the the visual essay on the disc is nice as yeah. well. A bit of context within the Satanic Panic thing, mm. and I um and I enjoyed the interview with the Child Stars as well. Yeah, looking back, I particularly liked Alison Moore in the background. You can see that she's got like a good solid uh, physical media collection yeah and then on her shelf is a very out of focus container of the stuff from larry larry yeah. Cohen's the stuff yeah well i certainly hope she's listening to this because uh the film is excellent she's excellent so um and and if she's not i i at the very least hope that arrow sent her this disc to add to her collection because it really is beautiful the cover art and yeah we touched on on the the commentary by kim newman and sean hogan a little bit but let's talk about it a bit more because obviously we both know those guys very well but they're a wonderful commentary team both very knowledgeable with uh hogan holding his own next to walking movie encyclopedia kim newman and you will get no small task exactly (laughs) it really is no small task and you will get days and days of recommendations from this commentary alone which makes our own recommendations more challenging this time. But yeah, really fun yeah, I listen. Had, I loved it. I'd already written down my uh, recommendations before I listened to the commentary. Yes. Just crossing them out. It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of recommendations, I don't have a lot more to say about this one because I really, really don't want to spoil the experience any more than we have done already, I guess. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. You don't want to talk about the the end. You don't want to talk about what's going on. I like. Mm. I just say that it's this isn't one of my recommendations, but I'd say it has a lightly phantasmy air, like a daylight oh, phantasm. Yeah. If you like that kind of movie, it it does have that kind of weird. You just have to be along for the ride feel, yes. and it's very nicely photographed. The it restoration is. has obviously done you know done it a service. Yeah, in that regard, I can't. I, I could imagine not having completed it if I put it on late at night on, on VHS and it was dark and grainy mm-hmm. and you know. But I'm glad this is the way I saw it. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a it's a good movie. Yeah. Uh I, I totally agree. Yeah, and a gorgeous dream sequence as well, speaking of the kind of cinematography and the rest of Oh yeah. Nice sort of freak out. Feels like yeah. a seventies funk music video. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Wonderful. All right, well, um let's get into recommendations based on the movie. I'm going to go first, Dan, because I am right I'm, I'm concerned about the crossover this week. I've got some backups. Oh, good. I, you always do. So uh, I, I feel confident here. I can't watch a film with sinister kids in it without thinking of uh, Who Could Kill a Child, oh, uh, which yes. is maybe the, the Citizen Kane of sinister kids films. Uh, it is a masterpiece. Brace yourself. I think we've probably talked about it on the podcast before, but we um, definitely have. Yeah, maybe not as a recommendation based on the movie, but as we've, I'm sure we've said before, do not watch this on a date. Dan and I went to a, a, a big screen. I think it was Cigarette Burns showed it. Uh, yeah, was it the Rio? But we, yeah, we went to see it on the big screen. And the opening is incredibly traumatic and disturbing, featuring real stuff. I won't say any more than that, but it is really, really harrowing. Uh, Dan and I had seen it before, so we were prepared for that. But I had a quick glance around the the screen and saw several couples shifting awkwardly in their seats uh, at that opening sequence. So don't watch it on a date. Prepare yourself for a disturbing kind of opening few minutes. But then prepare yourself to enjoy one of the most 
kind of dynamic, exciting, eerie, weird, cool films ever with a fantastic ending as well. So uh, who can kill a child? I recommend it. Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say there's a, there's a really beautiful uh, Mondo Macabro Blu-ray of it. Oh yeah, uh, it's probably the best best way to watch it now. I will I will <clears throat> go, uh, go in a little bit more to the opening oh. <laughs> than you did, just for the sake of warning people possibly further. I actually the first time, and I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but the first time I ever put this film in the machine to watch it, it was a, an old VHS, and I got like three minutes in and turned it off, and I was like, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't this, and I'm not fucking watching it. Right. And I didn't go back to it for years. Yeah. The opening sequence is documentary footage of dead children from atrocities throughout history with the body count uh, or like the child body count being like read over in a documentary form, talking about the ease with which society like allows the death of children if it's under the guise of a war. And that's used as a as a counterpoint to the rest of the film. It's a, a valid and worthwhile thing to have done, but that doesn't make it any less comfortable. So if you put it in expecting uh, the the bright fun and japes that Sam and I have endorsed, do expect, I'd say about six minutes. That's a guess off the top of my head. I'm kind of in two minds about this. I, I respect you for, for wanting to go into detail and warn people, but I also don't want to take away the experience that I had watching it, which is, holy fuck, what the fuck am I watching? Similar to you, except I, I didn't turn it off. I, I kept going. And, and thank God I did because, yeah, as a experience as a whole, it's just so impactful uh, and incredible. So I'm sure we've recommended Who Can Kill a Child on the podcast before or at least discussed it. But uh, oh, it's, yeah, it's an incredible film. It is. And it would make a, a great double bill with this, though. I'm not doing it in that way this fortnight. What I'm doing is merging two films to create Brotherhood of Satan. So uh, bear that in mind ah. when I do my next recommendation, because it might seem a bit odd. But uh, but yeah, anyway, Dan, what's first from you based on the film? It's from 1971, directed by John D. Hancock. It's Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Hey, oh, fantastic. Yeah, perfect. This is kind of one of the, the gold standard of lightly overlooked, dreamy horror films. It's a little dreamier than Brotherhood of Satan, mm-hmm. and it uh, arguably a little better as well. But it's another one of these films that it, it's often quite hard to know what to make of it for the first few minutes when you're watching it for the first time but if you stick with it you're quite richly rewarded it's about a a growing feeling of discomfort not trusting what's going on uh, not knowing what's real and what's imagined and uh and yeah and like brotherhood of satan it's got a pretty great closing moment as well fantastic yeah it's it's a wonderful wonderful movie and and one of kim newman's favorites as well so um absolutely yeah really really great recommendation Uh, next up from me is bad day at black rock now this is another film that i've talked about on the podcast before in in the kind of main recommendations but if you combined bad day at black rock with who can kill a child then um you would essentially have brotherhood of satan uh because it, it features someone coming to a a town where the story's already started and in fact the story's kind of concluded from a certain perspective but this stranger arrives at a town and everybody knows something and the the plot is essentially him trying to get to the bottom of of this thing that happened i won't say any more than that because i've discussed it in the past and and obviously i don't want to spoil it but yeah i just love these kind of small town in the middle of nowhere 
where there's some weird secret that that has to be discovered and and bad day at blackrock is basically the ultimate version of, of that kind of premise so i heartily recommend it based on brotherhood of satan dan is that it you've got another one haven't you no no i've got another one I got and another then one. another one after that and then another one after that plenty, plenty to go. <laughs> i've got two two in front of me and i'm trying to choose which one i've probably mentioned least recently on the podcast <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure I've I've talked about them both before, but the one I'm going to plumb for is rather than a bad town, it's uh, one of Sam and, and my favourite uh, modifications of that subgenre. It's the Bad Island. Yeah. Uh, and it's 2010's Bedeviled from Zhang Xiaosu. Oh, yeah. Which is quite the ride. It's it's not a comfortable movie, and it it it, it deals with some stuff that's pretty unpleasant but it's got a very satisfying ending and it's a um and it's a really really good why is everyone in this town so fucking weird and evil movie yeah this is uh wonderful stuff and dan and i actually watched this one together and yeah it is an insane ride but definitely worth it though you know our recommendations are relatively harrowing as well this uh this time around um it's a very bleak film as kind of dan alludes to but yeah excellent all right well do you want to mention a couple of your also rands or Uh, so sinombre Mm -hmm. uh the spanish horror thriller horror psychological horror about a young woman who gets a phone call a young woman a woman who gets a phone call uh supposedly from her daughter who was abducted and murdered some years before the loss of the child had subsequently led to the breakdown of her marriage so she is in a fragile mental state and so she immediately believes this phone call who even knows if she really got the phone call Mm -hmm. and the film gets underway i look at my notes and i didn't write down who directed it it's either Jamie Balaguerra or Paco Plaza because it's one of the wreck guys. But uh, I'm just looking it up as we go. And there's another film called Sinombre. I can't find it. Oh, Lost Sinombre, The Nameless. Yeah, yeah, from 1999. It's Jamie Balaguerra. It's, yeah, it's a great film. It's, you know what? I rewatched it recently and I was not ready for how much it looks like a TV movie. That surprised me because I remembered it being very, like, crisp and and cinematic it's not the not maybe the best looking film got more influence from seven than i perhaps realized in my memory as well but um but if you've not seen it it's an absolutely cracking thriller Um, yeah a, a mother who has only just come to terms with the death of a child being suddenly given hope that the kid is alive albeit maybe now living with a cult hmm Ah, that sounds great. I haven't seen it. So, uh, I'm, oh, I'm you'd love it, Sam. Glad you did the supplemental. I do have a supplemental one, actually. Alison's Birthday, which is on the folk horror box set, All the Haunts Be Ours, which is about a young a girl who is approaching uh, the titular birthday. And uh, when that birthday happens, something terrible may or may not also happen. <laughs> and that is me being very vague with a plot description because it's another one where the ride is kind of enjoyable and it, it builds to um, one of those kind of wacko 70s endings. So, um, yes, Alison's birthday, I recommend that as well. And there's some mentioned on the, the commentary like Devil's Reign and Mephisto Waltz, which also I kind of had on my my rec list which i removed after they mentioned it on the commentary but um 
yeah, it's there. It's a, a a bountiful delight. This movie. Um, not only do you get a, an absolute gem to watch, but as I say on the commentary, many, many, many gems that are recommended by those guys. So yeah, if you like this podcast, I think you'll like this uh, release. So that's it. Should we move on to recommendations from the past couple of weeks? Let's do it. Let's do it. Dan, why don't you go first? So between the last episode and now, Jen was away for a weekend. And so I invented... Invented? Sorry, I'm just going to do that again. (laughs) I didn't invent Tony. (laughs) (laughs) So I invented a friend. (laughs) Wow. I believe you could do it. Um, uh, Jen was away for the weekend so I invited long-standing friend and friend of the podcast Tony Clark, uh, Psychotronic Tony round for a mini film festival at the house and we just like absolutely chewed through weird shit that Jen wouldn't watch Excellent Mike joined us on Sunday for a couple of films Mike Hewitt of the podcast in the past podcast some other friends joined on saturday justin and hina came over it was lovely we had a had a great sort of three day stretch friday friday evening onwards but my first pick of those films is another it's another mondo macabro title actually it's on a it's a double bill that they released it's got the fantastic title the sadist has red teeth oh my god yeah from 1971 by jean-louis van bell it's a french vampire movie made by people who definitely hadn't ever made a film before i'm not entirely certain they'd seen a film before it's got a quite a low rating on imdb it's like four something out of out of 10 on imdb but it, it's really nice it's it's again it's quite dreamy it's quite weird they're they're sort of experimenting there's some great stuff where like they've got someone to hold black card in their mouth so they can double expose the film so it looks like they've got spiders in their mouth all the vampire stuff is done with joke shop teeth it's mm-hmm. basically about a guy who thinks it's it's martin is what it is yes. it's a guy who thinks he's a vampire and then maybe he's turning into and behaving like a vampire do you know i've seen this one but it's one of those experiences where you're describing a film i'm like oh, i recognize that title i recognize that plot but I don't actually remember sitting down and watching it, but I've definitely seen it. Can you tell us a little bit more about, about what happens without spoiling it too much? It's it's very, very French. It's very, very 70s. Mm. Uh, the lead's called Daniel, which immediately warms me to it. <laughs> a young man, Daniel, gets out of hospital. He's... Uh, he's obviously suffering from like sort of mental stress. He thinks he's a vampire. The doctors are like, ha, it's, that's dumb. You're silly. He bites a woman in a cinema and the police get involved for that. He's like, oh, it was just a, just a joke. <laughs> just a joke to bite a lady. And then un- not unlike Mosquito, a film I've recommended, another Mondo Macabre title I've recommended in the past, his obsessions start to consume him and he starts to actually go out and, and, and bite people and, and be a vampire and the red poster paint flows. It's, you know, lots of fashion photography, lots of casual nudity a la France in the in the 70s. It's it's a very pretty film. It's it's quite slow, but if you like the aesthetic and you like the the feel of it, then it's a real it's a real dream to watch. I've just looked it up on on Google Images, and I have a hundred percent seen it. And uh, yeah, it's super fun. And you were not Lots of people with joke shop teeth. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say you weren't kidding when you said joke shop teeth, like literal joke shop teeth. Um, oh yeah, kind of like vampires kiss. Um, yeah, fantastic, excellent, excellent. Wow. 
I'm starting to worry about my memory, though. I could normally have total recall of every single film I've ever watched, but that took a little bit of warming up. <laughs> but yeah, great recommend. All right, well, I shall go into my first recommendation. And, oh, man, this one was such a treat. Um, after recording our uh, Shaw Brothers episodes, I got into a, a, a serious Shaw mood. Um, I revisited Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, though I slightly regret that now because since we recorded that podcast, it's been announced that Arrow are indeed putting out Eight Diagram Pole Fighter on Blu-ray. So that will be an upcoming episode. I say I regret it. I'll take any excuse to revisit that film. Utter, utter masterpiece. But that is not my recommendation this time because I've talked about it enough. Instead, I'm going to recommend a new favourite, a new gem, which, Dan, you've probably already seen, but uh, it was a first-time watch for me. The Black Tavern from 1972. Do you know this one? I know the name. I I have a little short sideline to go into, but I don't I don't know. I'm going to look it up while you talk. It is one of my new favourites. It's kind of gone straight into the top ten. It is 100% the film that inspired The Hateful Eight. There's almost shot-for-shot moments uh, in The Black Tavern. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the concept is, basically, it mostly takes place in uh, the titular Black Tavern, where someone rich is approaching and a bunch of villains are are waiting to ambush this rich person. But it mostly takes place while they're waiting and it's them kind of fighting amongst themselves. And it's a series of increasingly ridiculous characters and and gangs kind of show up at this tavern to have a fight and then there's kind of a wonderful twist at the end. But it features a character called the Whipmaster who likes whip so much he put a whip inside his whip it is <laughs> it is preposterous um but entertaining from start to finish and i think that kind of hateful eight element gives it an extra appeal extra interest for listeners to this podcast so if you can find it the black tavern from 1972 is an absolute masterpiece so much fun lovely lovely let's, stuff let's hope arrow release it in volume three or volume four of uh, their shaw brothers box set series because god i'd love to see it restored I'm... by those geniuses at arrow yeah, I remember when Celestial first started putting out the DVDs of the Shaw stuff. Yeah. Uh, and there was this promise that there'd be like X titles a month. And the the fandom collectively sighed and checked their bank balance. It was like, okay, we could just about make that work. Mm. And then within within six months, they'd like quadrupled that output number. Yeah. <laughs> it was just financially impossible to keep up. Yeah. And they'd never even, you know, they didn't even make it through the whole catalogue. They just, you know, there was only a certain number put out. Yeah. My next recommendation is also a Shaw Brothers oh, uh, film. Excellent. Did you have a similar experience to me where you're like, I need more Shaw? Yeah, there was a bit of that. Well, so because as Tony was coming around and and uh, this was an evening this was the evening when justin and hina were with us uh justin uh, is a particular fan of the shore as well and he's got the box set but we thought oh well let's just go through the Zeagle until we find one that none of us have seen yes and we'll just watch that and we were finding it quite difficult <laughs> to find one that all of us and this is obviously tony skewing the the numbers a bit to find one that none of us had seen mm. and eventually tony was just like oh that's really fucking good that one and we're like okay look do you mind watching it again he's like oh no yeah no i'd love to i haven't seen it for years and that's why we put on bloody parrot yay uh, from 1981 directed by shanhua bloody parrot is amazing the, the titular bloody parrot is ostensibly a monkey's paw 
device you if you see the monkey if you see the bloody parrot you get three wishes those three wishes will come true uh, but they will only remain true as long as you are alive and then they will stop being true Mm -hmm. and all of this takes place uh, is sort of wrapped up in the first five minutes of the film and it's about some treasure that gets stolen and someone uses the bloody parrot wishes to bring back the treasure but when they get killed the the treasure disappears again and 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 now everyone's searching for this treasure the film ends up being a sort of amazing grab bag of of uh of what can the shaw brothers steal from other films and jam pack into this movie it's uh it's got bits that feel like evil dead it's got a big old exorcism scene that definitely feels referential to the exorcist it's it's got some really like weird indiana jones stuff in the third act it's an it's the most delightful mess it's very very weird i don't think it's ever going to show up at least if it does and we'll we can talk about aspects of this more next time with the film we're talking about then if it does i suspect it won't ever come out uncut in this country because mm-hmm. it has some animal stuff in it that you know quite frankly i'll be happy to see snipped mm. but the the film itself is an absolute joy it's bonkers i actually messaged sam before the recording of this to make sure he hadn't mentioned it on a recent episode because he'd recommended a shaw brothers film um crystal something i think portrait in crystal portrait in crystal there you go he'd recommended portrait in crystal i hadn't been able to retain the title in my head it's not one i've seen but i remembered him saying and it's got the most bonkers weapon at the end and when the end of this film came up i was like oh fuck is this the film sam watched because this weapon <laughs> is quite frankly the weirdest weapon <laughs> that's ever existed unlike sam i'm not going to leave you hanging i'm going to watch portrait and crystal because of sam's thing so maybe his method's better but this has a human face turned into an araby so you know get on board <laughs> yeah bloody parrot is is marvelous yeah that's a fantastic recommendation i love that one and yeah tony is at the root of all of these things because that's one that i did actually buy from tony great great film all right well we're gonna go from a bloody parrot to uh, a toad road now because that's my next recommendation toad road from 2012 now you heard it here first when it comes to this film i feel like this is going to be another kind of lake mungo that picks up fans and and gets like a a second sight blu-ray release or something like that because it really really reminded me of lake mungo kind of tonally except it's not a a mockumentary it's not a found footage film it's it's essentially you know a quote-unquote normal film narrative but it feels very found footage because i think a lot of the scenes are, are kind of verite i think these guys just kind of took cameras to parties and and filmed various antics and then kind of constructed a narrative from it. I don't know that for sure because um, I didn't watch this on a Blu-ray. I watched it on uh, a VHS from my collection. I'm building my own kind of American collection now. So this wasn't a Shea tape, but one that I kind of, I picked up from um, a friend of Shea's actually was having... Uh, a sale of his stuff um, where you just go to his house and kind of pick stuff off his shelves and you know toys and and, and movies and stuff so this was one that I grabbed from that sale and it it felt a weirdly like Ringu or something where like this tape was meant for me um, because the title kind of jumped out I'd never heard of it before and then when I put it on it's exactly my kind of movie it's like definitely kind of fits in with stuff like a little more flesh and a little more flesh too 
in that I feel like these creators took a very uh, different approach to the construction of a movie, um, which isn't to say that um, it's kind of slapped together or anything like that. It's really pulls you in. There's a thread throughout the film about a local legend called the Toad Road, where there's basically seven gates and it's the seven gates to hell. And people have gotten to a certain point but have never made it further than that. It also put me in mind of stuff like Resolution, actually, where at certain points it kind of feels like the film itself is attacking you. It is a horror film, even though a lot of it is about the specific youth culture that was around at that time. You can tell that I'm trying to talk around stuff here and and be vague with Toad Road because, again, it's one where the experience of it is what makes it special and it just really captivated me and also repulsed me and disturbed me but yeah wonderful wonderful film and yeah just an an incredible third act in my opinion though it's definitely not for everyone I've seen some kind of response to it online where it's either you know like you look at the IMDb and one review is 10 the next one is one the next one is nine the next one is two so yeah it is one of those love it or hate it films but i definitely loved it so toad road from 2012 i heartily recommend it if you can find it i looked it up on imdb while you were talking oh yeah it it was already on my watch list although i don't remember when i put it on i don't recognize the poster and two other projects by the director were also on my watch list, neither of which I have any memory of putting on the list. So that adds to the Ringu feel of the whole thing. Yes, excellent. Oh, that's incredible. Well, yeah, definitely bump it up the list. Um, yeah. And it's it's a SpectraVision title, which I was very surprised by. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and, and produced by genre hero Elijah Wood. So... Yeah, I, I assume it's one that was already made that they picked up for distribution, but who knows, because I, I hadn't heard of it when I pulled it off that shelf. And uh, one final quality that it has, it's a short film. It's uh, I think it's like 75 minutes long, 76, something like that. Definite, definite high recommendation for Toad Road. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah, up up the list. And uh, what's next for my list, Dan? What what else have you been watching? I could go into more, but I've done two. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm rubbish today with knowing where we are. <laughs> I pulled a muscle in my leg, racing a child. I'm very distracted. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. I pulled a muscle in my leg, racing a child. Extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra features? Extra features. All right, well, I have no extra features personally, but... In a way I do, because Dan put together a lovely event since we last spoke to you, Precious Arrowhead. Dan, why don't you talk about this event? Well, so Sam used to live in England and Mike used to produce the podcast and those halcyon days are in the past. But Mm. let's not mourn them, dear listener. (laughs) Let's let's think of a way that we can reinvent them and live in them in the memory. Yes. Because what is going forwards if not dwelling in the past? Yeah, we just thought that it had been a, a while. You know, Mike, Sam and I used to hang out and that was nice. And we don't do that now. Mm. So we thought we could we could do it over Zoom, you know, take the pandemic as a as a life lesson. And so we thought we'd start watching films together. So I, I, I put together a, a couple of choices and Sam and Mike voted on them. And we ended up watching an Eastern European comedy sci-fi <laughs> Because obviously we fucking did. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, it was a first watch for all of us, wasn't it? It was, so? yeah, it was. It's a fantastic um, yeah, we choice, watched, yeah. We watched a movie called You Are a Widow, Sir. You Are a Widow, uh, Sir. What a great title. Yes. It's a body swap political intrigue sci-fi comedy with an absolutely fantastic cast who smash it. Dabs of slapstick, but really I'd say the standout quality is the production design. Yeah. It's such an amazingly good looking film. Yeah, and and wonderful performances as well. Yeah. There's a lot of dual roles going on in, in the film without giving away, you know, what, what takes place in it. Really great performances and... Yeah, it's got that very specific Czech atmosphere and tone that you'll recognise from films like I Killed Einstein, Gentleman, and Tomorrow I Will Wake Up and Scald Myself with Tea, two of which are absolute all-time favourites of mine. So, yeah, that very much felt shoulder to shoulder with those kinds of films. And it was just glorious to see Mike again, our our, um, former producer. Just, yeah, really, really wonderful. Um, And he accidentally or inadvertently highlighted a quality of this film, which was the fact that it's very unpredictable and quite crazy because he went to the bathroom. Mike went to the bathroom a couple of times while we were watching this film. And because we were all like synced up, we we didn't pause it. And he just said, "Just, just tell me, you know, what happens when I come back. And every time he came back, we'd have such an insane, weird story to tell him about what he missed. (laughs) But yeah, wonderful choice by Dan. And and we're going to do the other choice. He he gave us like three options and we're just going to continue the tradition and and do the other options as well, because they were all really hard to choose from. Um, But yeah, that, that first event was uh, magnificent so we definitely recommend that movie how can people get hold of it dan yeah good luck i think it's, <laughs> I think, <laughs> it's on i think it's on youtube in its entirety there you go excellent all right any more to say on uh, you you are a widow sir uh, no i mean it's lovely like watch it and look at films it influenced i would say mm, yeah. it's it's such a it's such a lovely film all the way through we the, the three of us were saying i wonder if so and so saw this and oh my goodness yeah. this feels so similar to that i wonder if it's a knowing informant like if, if it knowingly informed it. Mm. it yeah it really is a fantastic movie but it also feels like one of those ones when you you know when you find like an old deep cut album and you're like, oh, fuck, I, that riff must have come from here. Yeah. Or that sample came from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. A- absolutely. One of the things you said while we were watching it was that you think it's ripe for a remake. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it would. It would. I, I think it could be really well remade. Mm. There's a lot of, like, you know, while at its heart it's it's slightly silly, it has some elements in it that are, that feel like they could be with very little effort spun into being quite contemporary mm. the 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 crux of the movie is about a uh, an army conspiracy because the the army after an embarrassing incident looks like the army is going to be disbanded in this in this country by the royalty so the the army is now pushing back against the royals yeah yeah no it's a, a great premise and goes in very very odd directions i loved it all right well let's go into our social media how can people follow you dan on twitter and on instagram i am at 13 finger fx i mostly have been oh i didn't even tell my other thing this i did mention this on twitter the other day and i don't expect people to be too excited but i thought my z eagle had died sam oh shit no i did i had yeah wow. okay shit but it was it was a it was a problem with the power unit which do I you want to very quickly 
describe to new listeners what a Zeagle so, is. Yes. So just in case you're not aware, a Zeagle... So there's a, a company in Hong Kong called Creative. The A is a triangle, so you can tell it's tech. And they do these things called video jukeboxes. And ostensibly, it's a little front-end software for a hard drive enclosure that allow you to stick films on it, and then it'll play back like a little personal Netflix off the off the hard drive and it's it's relatively old tech they partnered with uh celestial who now own the the bulk of the shaw brothers archive and where all the shaw brothers dvds and the blu-rays and the remasters you're seeing now all come from the celestial archive uh the other ones are sort of scattered to the winds rights wise and they briefly put out the z eagle z i i eagle e-a-g-l-e and the z eagle was a pre-packaged unrippable video jukebox with all 668 Shaw Brothers titles that Celestial had the rights to on it. And it's basically just a very delicate object that I treat like a newborn child <laughs> that lives in my living room and occasionally feeds me mad waxia or, you know, Chinese horror films. And I couldn't turn it on. And I, I didn't know what was wrong. And I, it had always, when the one I got came with a two pin Euro plug and I'd always meant to replace the power unit. So I, I thought, you know, it's worth a pun. And I just bought it. I, I, I looked online. I found a replacement creative plug UK format, and I and I got one, and it and it worked. So, so not exactly a technological leap for me, but oh my goodness, what a what a what an emotional roller coaster it was for me to think that I'd lost this precious precious resource that I'd really only scratched the surface of. I mean, it's Sam. It's got all the porn. It's Whoa. got all the Shaw Brothers porn. I've, not, I've never watched any of it. Uh, but it, like, I feel good knowing it's there. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, yeah. <laughs> Just in case I want to watch. Apparently Run Run used to sneak into the studio like at the weekends and shoot like historical period drama porn, like softcore porn. On the on the lavish Shaw Brothers like Shaw City sets. Wow. Well, if you want to follow Dan as he he live tweets watching those uh, pornographic films, <laughs> uh, then please please find him on at Twitter and Instagram at Thirteen Finger FX. Excellent. And I am on Instagram at Sam Ashes Twenty Three. And uh, yeah, I'm mostly posting titles of weird films that I watch that aren't necessarily going to be recommendations on this podcast. For example, recently I posted a screen grab from Master Blaster, which is uh, essentially deadly prey, but with uh, paintball guns instead of short shorts uh, and is a, a Master Blaster piece. Um, it is terrible, but in an entertaining <laughs> way. So that will probably show up on Blu-ray at some point as well. Who knows? But yes, Sam Ashes twenty-three on Instagram is where you can find that kind of thing. And just to resolve a, a, a hanging plot thread from earlier in this podcast, um, the child won the race. Um, uh, we we had a series of races, and and uh, and he won each one fair and square and when i pulled my muscle he he even waited for me to catch up before going on to win the final race so um before trouncing you anyway. <laughs> exactly turns out dan that um a man in his 40s isn't as good uh, at running as a as a nine-year-old um, short sprint running yeah, yeah, exactly let, let down by your terrible old man legs <laughs> exactly but yes uh, on that absolute bombshell we are going to resolve this episode by saying 
Thank you so much for listening. And Thank we you. promise to be more professional next time. It's a solemn promise. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>